Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, I've been between two television screens all morning. Started early. I was watching Alex Maguire uh, from Late Town Betty's Town making his debut at the Open Championship in Hoylake near Liverpool. What a fantastic round he had. He's won over for his round, his first round today. Brilliant performance, Alex. Well done to you. And then, of course, uh, the golf going on all day. But our ladies international, the women's international soccer team, what a performance against host Australia. But sadly, folks, a penalty, a second half penalty and Australia win 1-0. A terrific performance, but no points to show from our first game. And a little later on the show, fingers crossed, Katie Milady from Mead is at the match and she's making her way from the stadium at the moment. And we have her on the claw after two o'clock here on the show. But I begin today with an issue that raised its head in Drogheda and its environs in recent times, the gull issue and what to do about it. And I was listening to everybody and the meetings happened, etc, etc. And I remembered one of our good friends on Late Lunch, Tom Cardiff, is the man who knows all about gulls, what the story is, because he's part of the Belbriggan Community Committee that have had to deal with the gull issue up there and they are really familiar with the situation. And he's on the line again. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Oh, hi, Jerry. How's it going? Going really well. Thank you for joining me again. Just to context this for listeners, people are wondering, you know, the proliferation of gulls in towns like Drogheda, Balbriggan, and other places as well. Just in a few words, why have they taken up residence now inland? Because they're herring gulls, they're birds of the sea. Okay, uh, well, um, there's a few answers to that, but I'll give you the, the shortest one I can give yeah. you is actually on the public record from the National Parks and Wildlife Service in July 2016. Right. right. When we started at this issue nearly eight years ago, and they acknowledged that with the closure of landfill, large gull flocks were now moving into the cities and towns in pursuit of food. Mm. Now, that, that was released under Freedom of Information by the department in 2016. And the telling final comment they made on that was, and we have no plans to control numbers. So... That's the short answer to your question. Okay, and, and and you're right, they were of the sea, the landfill had plenty of food, etc. for them, and of course the urban areas you were telling me yesterday, uh, they've no predators, it's warmer, there's high roofs for nesting, and there's no resistance really at all to them. That's why they're proliferating in, 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 in a nutshell. Yeah, but that's not uh, our words from Balbriggan. That's yeah. the words of the UK expert 
who advised the Minister's Consultative Committee on Urban Goals that sat for two years, which Balbriggan had two seats on that committee, mm. alongside two from Birdwatch Ireland and two from Fingal County Council, our local authority, and two from the department. And UK experts, people can look him up. He's 40 years advising governments from Australia to New York and everything in between about urban goals. And it's his expertise, which quotes from GPS tracking, that urban goals are a separate branch of the gold species. They've settled in urban areas because, number one, they have absolutely no predators compared Mm. to their normal habitat. Number two, they have roughly six degrees higher temperatures for breeding purposes. That's very helpful. They have high roofs. And as you mentioned, they have virtually no resistance from humans, Mm. courtesy of blanket protection, which seriously needs to be looked at. That man is Coulson, is it, the UK expert? Well, Coulson was the, is the, the international guy yeah. who's actually the world expert, but okay. Peter Rock is the guy that okay. he was invited to present to the committee by Birdwatch Ireland. Right. And one of the things he said while we were sitting in the committee was, by all means, for example, keep them off schools and hospitals. Mm. That's goals, herring goals. Yes. And, and he also said that herring goals are very smart. They're really gregarious, smart species. They know their roaming area of up to 50 kilometres for foraging every day. He said, they'll tell you which fields are ploughed at what time and what day is when, the, when that t- time of the year comes around. Right. And a very important thing he said, Jerry, and this is really vital to what I know is already happening in Drada. He said, occasional feeding of a few gulls by a few people, while it's a problem for the people who live next door to the people who feed them because gulls will go to those areas. Mm. That's not the cause of thousands of goals in, in our towns and cities. That's not, that's not the reason the thousands of them are here. Mm. That encourages goals to, to habituate to where they get an easy meal. And his word on feeding was that goals forage up to 50 k- kilometres every day. They know every food source in their range and snacks that they pick up in towns, especially from well, well-intentioned people, a kind of a, an ignorant kindness, he described it. Snacks they pick up from people like that are just bonus snacks, which aren't actually good for the goals relative to what their diet should be. OK, so they've figured out that there's a good food source. They've had that range that you're mentioning there. Now, I want to ask you this, because this is vital in the context of what's been going on in Drogheda. Balbriggan has a derogation, and that derogation is, allows the removal of nests and eggs. Has that helped? Yes, of course it has. It, it helps in the situations where, for example, imagine, imagine a house in a housing estate, an ordinary house, three bed, four bed house with six adult goals on the roof, three nests and 18 eggs on one, on one house. Mm. Now, when those eggs would hatch, that would be up to 18 chicks from, from June until September. On one house now, I'm not talking about a big, a big field uh, beside the house, on the, on the garage and on the roof. Yeah. So to tell those people that being able to remove those nests was no help, that's just rubbish. It, it, it's essential, it's not just a help. Mm. We, have, we have filmed incidences of colonies of up to 30 pairs of gulls on two of our schools, filmed, videoed by a consultancy that was hired by Fingal County Council. We have 60 nests breeding in the Wabin plant for years. 
So, so to say removing them is not a help to the problem is rubbish because when you remove the nests, and sometimes you have to do it three times to teach the gulls they're not going to succeed on this location. Right? When you finally get them to, to understand that, they do go somewhere else. Yeah. And eventually, if that was done systematically, they will go to places where they're welcome or where they're not causing problems. Okay, That's so they... The logic. Yeah, and that is... That's, and we understand that now. So... Should Drogheda not apply for a derogation? And then who comes and removes the, the nests and the eggs? How, how, who does it in Balbriggan? No, at the moment, the, the department is still holding the line that uh, it's an issue for the, the property owner. So people who do remove the nests here either have to do it themselves, which is dangerous, or they have to pay somebody to do it. And do you need a licence? No, the derogation is a licence. OK, I see, I see. Yeah. There's two forms of licence, yep. uh, Jerry. There's the one you apply to the department for. Mm. Right. And we have hundreds of parents in particular who are saying they are never going to apply for a licence to a government department for permission to protect their children or their vulnerable or their elderly people in their own homes from a wild species which is actually disease-associated according to three government websites in the last year. If you look up the, the, the main government site in Marion Street, if you look up the Department of Agriculture site, or if you look up the National Parks and Wildlife Service site within the main department responsible for this issue, they will all tell you how dangerous it is. Seaboard species is dangerous. Don't go near it. Mm. If you look at the Irish Times article last week on avian flu, you'll see a Birdwatch employee picking up dead birds wearing a full hazmat suit, full hazmat, with respiratory equipment because of the health dangers. And, and we have caretakers in our schools and hospitals power washing gold feces without any protection. That is a real concern. Come back to this issue, right. If, who applies for the derogation on behalf of Drogheda then? The derogation is not actually subject to an application normally. Balbriggan had to fight for it. Okay. Right? And I think that's what you want to get to. Yeah. When we realised we had a serious problem, and I mean people up from 3 o'clock in the morning for months, not, not occasionally and not just a few people, hundreds of people across eight housing estates and businesses with thousands of euros worth of damage to their roofs, to their uh, ventilation equipment, freezer equipment. When we realised how bad a problem we had, we got together and we got activists from each of the estates who we knew over the years, say, from playing football or running schoolboy football. We formed a goal committee, and then we individually met all of our TDs, and eventually the TDs accepted there is a problem, and eventually they forced the meetings with the minister. And all five TDs cross parties supported us once they saw and heard all the evidence. Right? And to the credit of the Minister of the Day, Heather Humphreys, who she has a, a rural farmal background, so I think she understands what a pest species is and why it needs to be controlled better than some of our, rural, our, our urban TDs, she gave Balbriggan a derogation. And she instructed their department to give a derogation on the grounds of public health and safety. Now, the department, in its wisdom, cut off public health from the, de- the reason and just gave it on public safety. In a PQ last week, they finally admitted that that was illegal because the expert legal counsel who advised the committee we served on for two years with Boardwatch and with the local authority told them it was illegal. And what he told them specifically was, under the terms of the directive, which is in the interest of public health and safety, 
when both limbs are met, they must be specified. They didn't want to specify the public health because it increases the pressure on the local authority to do something. Mm. So that's what's yeah. actually going on here. So Drogheda would need to do the same, replicate what happened in Balbriggan, lobby your TDs, go to the minister and get a derogation. And then at that stage, people can remove uh, nests and eggs from their properties. Well, if, it sounds like that's what Drogheda is going to have to do. But I think you need to step back from that and think about it. Well, if, if you lived in Malaga at the moment, right, in the last few years, Malaga's in the European Union, it's subject to the same legislation as Ireland, the Birds mm. Directive. There's 560,000 population of people in Malaga. In 2022, they surveyed their gold population at 3,200 birds, right, for the city. That's a ratio of one bird to 177 people. The ratio in Balbriggan is one bird to seven people. Mm. Let that sink in, right? Mm. And that ratio is calculated on the actual numbers counted in the National Gold Survey. Yes. Now, the difference is, in Balbriggan, you have to fight for eight years to be allowed under the law, which caters for culling, by the way. That's another red herring, if you've heard in the metaphor. The, under the law, we have to fight for nearly eight years to get public health recognised and the permission to protect our vulnerable people from a dangerous wild bird, aggressive mm one metre wingspan, swoops at 30 miles an hour and is knocking people to the ground and splitting their heads open. Now, we know this because we've lived with it and we have provided all this information. It was accepted by the senior legal counsel that advised the minister's department. He recommended derogation was justified, as the committee chairman did, if you you haven't seen that document, but they said in in the first report of the committee, derogations are justified for other areas as well as Balbriggan, black and white to the minister. Now, the department is trying to bury all this, Mm. right? And that's why we're still fighting it. Now, if you lived in Malaga, you would be able to download an app to your phone or use a free phone number if you're not familiar with uh, apps and notify the presence of a nest and it will be removed by the municipal health authorities based on you giving them the GPS details on the grounds of public health and safety under the board's directive. Mm. Article, article 9 is the derogation article, but the more important article, Jerry, is 1 and 2 within the directive. And this is something that needs to be got through because there's, there are actual lies being told about you can't have a call because of EU law. They're lies. They're not... They're not misnomers or they're not they're not people that don't understand saying this the directive states member states of the eu shall protect manage and control wild bird species and control and the first indent in article 9 says in the interests of public health and safety and the second indent says air safety and the third one is crops and water so they routinely call golds around the airports because they know if a gold brings the planes down, that would be visible and obvious. Mm. But there are six species every year of the last 40 years called the, the, the grey crow, the hooded crow, the jackdaw, the yes. magpie, are all on the national derogation for shooting by farmers out there when nobody can see it happening on public health and safety grounds under the legislation. Mm. So how can they be called and urban goals can't be called under the same legislation? Yes, I'm just looking at the UK here and actually in the UK, herring gulls and seagulls are included in that list. It's, not, it's even better than that. The UK changed their system in 2020 
And the reason they ch- they had an open general licence, and the reason the England actually I'm talking about, yeah. natural England, they changed the system because it was being abused by some of the big companies down through the middle shires where they were blasting herring gulls out of the sky with shotguns to protect grouse and, and pheasants they were rearing for the hunting uh, tourism, right? Yeah. But what DEFRA did, in partnership with Natural England, was they've introduced, in less than three, two and a half years, they managed to introduce a completely new system, which says local authorities who have urban gold problems can apply to, the, uh, uh, to Natural England for what's called an organisational licence. Mm. And they must submit a management plan with that to say what they're going to do. But it's in relation to goals, and that once they apply for that licence and are given it, the autonomy falls to the local authority to control goals up to and including culling where necessary to preserve public health and safety under the 1981 Wildlife and Countryside Act, which was the UK's legislation that was brought in to comply with the directive mm. while they were members of the EU yes. and hasn't been changed. Mm. But th- the message today then is there, there is a, a course of action that can be followed that can tackle this issue because as you said there it is no joke and listen I love board life and I do a lot on the show here with uh, board wash etc but I understand that if you have goals on your roof and if you're listening to us today and you've experienced this maybe you'd let me know 086 1800 658 is the WhatsApp or text number that's 086 1800 658 get in touch with me it's no joke from 3am as you I think you mentioned 3am there yeah, to, well, they're up I, from. I need to give you I'll give you one human example Jerry, because all of our work relates to direct real human examples mm. not just about thousands of euros of damage done to roofs and property not just that I have to be careful what I say here because of the person involved. I don't want to identify anyone or embarrass anyone. Yes. But the most recent conversation had by one of our people was with a woman who stopped the member of our committee on the main street in Babrigan. And she was crying. A bit upset. And she stopped our committee member to thank them for for the work done to be able to take gulls' nests off places where they don't belong. And it turned out that this woman... Unfortunately, she's dealing with a very serious health diagnosis. And fingers crossed, things are going to go okay for this woman, right? Mm. But she lives near one of our schools where they have at least 30 pairs of golds. All year round, by the way. This is another lie that's told. Mm. And I'm calling it a lie deliberately because the people who say this know better. These golds do not come in from the sea for two or three weeks to to, to lay eggs and take their chicks. They are living here all year round. Just finished right. on that woman, what happened to her? Yeah. So her actual circumstances were she had a very difficult health circumstance where she, she, she's she got a cancer, di- uh, well, it's, I didn't mean to say cancer, but yeah. she's a very serious diagnosis. She has a complication to her age at the stage she's at with, with menopause. And she cries every night with frustration, not being able to open the window to ventilate her bedroom because of the cacophony. And I mean crescendo cacophony from a huge colony of gulls on this particular school and in the houses around where she lives. Mm. But she was able to take them off her own roof. Yes. Without breaking any law. And we are telling you now, Jerry, that we know several instances, several instances, where people have been forced to break the law because, well, they're not actually breaking the law. They've been forced to apply the law properly because the department won't. And the minister won't. Okay. 
have to leave it there today. You've been brilliant, Tom. I wanted to get the Belbrigan's perspective. You've right. more and brought it to us, and I have to leave it there for today. I'm sure. I want to give you an offer before you go, Jerry. Quickly. If you have some people up there that yeah. want to try and get organised, you have my contact. I have. I have. Um, we, we will share all of the information Thank we you. have with people that are serious on this issue. Thank you, Tom. Why don't they go the right road with it? Absolutely. You're and a star. We give, all our sympathy. we give all our sympathy to your people there in, in Drogheda. We know exactly what, what people are going through. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. And thanks for that offer today. Tom Cardiff there speaking about the Balbriggan experience with gulls. That must be the most expensive chicken nugget in history. Did you hear the story in uh, Florida? Uh, a family took a civil lawsuit against McDonald's and one of its franchisees after a toddler was burned by a hot chicken nugget. Do you know how much the chicken nugget cost them? $800,000 was awarded. Um, my, my, oh my. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the child. If the child was burned, the child was burned. There must have been really hot nuggets, I have to say. But anyway, the jury awarded the family $800,000 for pain and suffering, disfigurement, mental anguish, inconvenience and loss of capacity for the enjoyment of life. 400000 for the injury sustained in the past and 400000 for damages the jury determined will be sustained in the future. What an award. My God, that must be a serious case for that amount of money to be paid over. There you go. Just spotted that one a little earlier today. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. The Irish women have been beaten 1-0 by Australia. We're heading to Sydney after two in the show. Hopefully Katie Milady will be in a mood, in the mood to talk to us after the defeat. I'm sure she will. Anyway, we're heading up towards top of the hour now at two in the company of you two. The sweetest thing. Well, it was almost the sweetest thing for Ireland. A penalty and we lost 1-0. Ah, well, on to the next one. Canada will be wary. We played well. We did, we did. Thank you for for your comments. Subsequent to my chat earlier on with Tom Cardiff from Balbriggan about the gull issue in this neck of the woods, and Balbriggan have had to deal with it and have dealt with it, as you heard from Tom, uh, quite effectively. Um, here's a message. Big gull lover here. Thank you for getting in touch with me. I have to text in to ask why rubbish bags on the streets and overfishing aren't being mentioned. There are serious issues causing the gulls to move inland. Bags of rubbish aren't collected quickly enough on the roads and this provides food for them. Our waters are being overfished, which reduces the amount of their natural f- food. Humans are the cause of this problem and that needs to be addressed. Thank you indeed for your comment. Well, if you were listening to Miss Elton Tom, we did address those issues of why the gulls have moved inland. You see, trawlers fishing used to discard a lot back into the sea and the gulls would follow that and feed on it as well as naturally feeding uh, on the coastline as well. That doesn't really happen anymore. That certainly is is one reason. Then they came into landfills. Of course, landfills, you can't have them now. They close down. No food for them there. And then you see our human urban environment is perfect for them. You know, it really, really is. Uh, no predators, more heat, it's warmer in the urban area. We mentioned this, the roofs are high, good nesting places as well, and access to food and no resistance whatsoever. Yes, they are issues that mankind has created. But I'll say to you again, I love me feathered friends, board life, board watch regular with us here as well. If you have gulls, 
nesting on your roof, you will understand what the difficulty is. You'll be up at three in the morning. If you have young children, if you're elderly and need to get your rest, if you're unwell, you will not sleep. The racket they'll cause from then right through. It is absolutely no joke. And it's an issue that must be dealt with. And you heard Tom Cardiff. It can be dealt with. There is a derogation. And the way you do it is simply you remove the nests, you remove the eggs. You might have to do it a few times. And they will get the message then. And really, those birds, their habitats are naturally on the coastline. It really is. Somebody else was on to me there to say, give the man a chance to talk. Well, I think I spoke very little when Tom Cardiff was on. He's a great talker, I have to say. And he went through very uh, logically uh, the way this can be handled and done in a legal manner. And he's offered himself. He's a brilliant guy. They're at this in Balbriggan since 2016. They know what they're at. They know the pitfalls. They know how to go about it. He's offered himself to this uh, group in Drogheda or anyone else who's uh, onto this issue uh, he'll come along and advise and help in any way he can we lost 1-0 we're heading to Sydney now Katie Milady is standing by hi Katie well Jerry how's things oh I'm so sorry I'm so sad for the Irish team oh it's so disappointing isn't it yeah it is it's hard to lose especially the way we lost on a penalty but the atmosphere was brilliant it was amazing and we're still singing all the way home on the train well can i say to you i could hear the ole 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 on tv i'm sure you could jerry we were very loud in there (laughs) and you were outnumbered like significantly by the home support for sure but by god it came across on the television the support for the irish girls i thought at halftime we did well in the first half we contained them and I said, we'll come out in the second half and give it a bit of a go. The penalty was a disappointment. Did you think it was a penalty yourself? Well, we actually haven't watched it back, but there was no um, shouting in the stadium for a penalty. So obviously the Irish fans were all kind of shocked by the mm. the call on the penalty because no one really got a good look at it because we were sitting behind the goal. So yeah. um, we'll, ha- we'll, have to look, we'll have to look at that one back and see for ourselves. But look, it is what it is and we lost 1-0, so... We just have to go again when we get to Perth against Canada. Yeah, that's it. Uh, pick up and away you go and put up a real good performance today. Gee, at the end, at the end there, the free kick and the scramble that happened. <laughs> I thought they were going to get the equaliser. Oh, we were standing for the last 20 minutes now. We were on our toes ourselves. We were nearly kicking the ball into the net for them. <laughs> I'm not surprised because they really did give it a go after they went a goal down. They pushed for that equaliser. And I, I think on the run of play, well, a draw would have been a great result for us. But there you go, 1-0. I was in touch with you early this morning and you sent me a, a, a wee video from uh, before the game as the Irish supporters were gathering. It looked amazing, Katie. Yeah, it was. And it still is incredible. The support here in Sydney for the Irish is unbelievable. And... We were in Molly Malone's pub earlier on and the singing never stopped the whole way from the pub all the way on the train and into the stadium and they're still singing now on the, on the train. <laughs> you can't beat the Irish. We celebrate one way or, or the other. W- what's it like out there? Just describe the stadium weather-wise. Winter time out there at the minute, is it like an, an Irish you know, winter day or what's it like? It'd be an Irish, uh, an Irish summer. All right, an Irish summer. <laughs> Unless you're out really early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Winter in Australia is like summertime here. So it was nice. The girls were comfortable in in the weather conditions, etc. Have you come across many people you know out there? I know you're in your own little group. Have you met anyone that's familiar to you? 
Um, well, we've met a few girls from, we've, we actually noticed, I don't know whether it was shown on TV, there was a, a flag saying Mead um, up on the, way up on the upper tier and we could see it from where we were sitting. And um, there was a flag hanging up um, way, like way up in the, in the stadium. And there was loads of Ireland flags everywhere um, mm. all across the stadium. So like there was easily, uh, there was definitely a couple of thousand of Irish in there and we were, we were well and truly heard anyways. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure behind that Mead flag, there are possibly people that you know as well. They were a bit away in the stadium, but I'm sure you're going to bump into others that you do know are from County Mead as well over the coming days. You got out there, no problem. It's been plain sailing, has it so far for you? Yeah, it's been all good. Um, as I said, the atmosphere just around um, around Sydney at the moment is just incredible. And like there was seven over. 75,000 people there tonight so that just goes to show you how much the game has grown Mm, Yeah, the huge support for the home side so that's both of them have won New Zealand won 1-0 earlier on and now Australia have won 1-0 too so what's your plans from here now? What happens? You're going to get a a bit of rest I take it now or will you go celebrate? Is it midnight there? It's uh, twenty past eleven here now. All oh, right, yeah, not far, not far off. <laughs> so midnight. There, there might be time. There might be time for a little bit of celebrating, <laughs> even though we had, we didn't win. But you know, we're still here to tell the tale, and we're Irish, so yeah. we make the most of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? So the next few days, are you going to hang around Sydney before you move for the second game, or what? what what's the plan? Yeah, so we're hanging around Sydney and I'm playing in one of the, in the oldest Irish bar in Sydney on Sunday. It's called the Mercantile and I'm going up there to sing my song and I might sing another couple, who knows. (laughs) Why not? That's great. And I mentioned to you before, you didn't bring a guitar with you, you'll borrow, will you? Yeah, so yesterday we went to a music shop and we actually bought a guitar and it was mental yesterday we went to Sydney Opera House and a load of Irish fans met up at the Opera House and we had a little sing song there and we sang the song and it was just unbelievable it was it was just crazy Oh, that's brilliant. I'm delighted your song has taken legs and it well deserves it and people will become more familiar with it as the days go by in the uh, as the tournament evolves. But you got the guitar, you bought a guitar. Uh, are you going to bring that guitar home with you or will you donate it before you leave? I'll probably donate it yeah. to someone before we go because I don't think I'll be paying the money to bring it back on the flight, Jerry. But sure, look, who knows? <laughs> I was going to say that it'll probably cost a fortune to bring the Aussie guitar back to you to the to the Royal County. Anyway, sure, you said great success in Croke Park yourselves the weekend with the with the men winning the Talton Cup. I'd call him O'Rourke on with me the other day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Between Mead and Ireland, we don't know where to go. Yeah, well, well, you have the silverware in the Royal County on the GAA side. Let's hope Ireland can pick up uh, the second game and, and get something from it. I'm just watching the pictures here on television as I speak to you uh, live in Sydney. The fans being interviewed coming out of the stadium. I believe you might have been on the BBC. Oh, yeah, that's, that's correct, Jerry. Yeah, I was contacted by BBC. So I was literally just in the train station there doing an interview with them. 
Oh, lovely, lovely. Oh, listen, Katie, you're going places for sure. When you make it onto the Beeb, thank God we managed to grab you on little old LMFM radio, <laughs> your local station too. So, look, you're going to enjoy the sights and uh, everything uh, there while you're there, of course, and, and then move on. And is that the plan then, to follow the team uh, as they go through? And you were telling me as well, you have tickets to all the uh, knockout stages up to the final, haven't you? Yeah, we still have hopes, Jerry. Yeah. Um, this was the first game, so look, at, there was nerves there, and the girls put in a great performance, even though they didn't win. And um, we have high hopes now for Canada and um, Nigeria. So we just have to wait and see how it goes. We're not out by no means at this stage. It's too early on to rule that out. So. We'll just wait and see how we go. Yeah, they'll have to get a result in the next one. But you're right, it is only the first game. So shout out, who's there with you? Who's in your travelling party? So we have Amy Corvalley, Leah Corvalley and Laura Matches. Hello, girls. I know I'm talking to the main woman here, but we send our greetings all the way from Ireland to yourselves. Anyway, you're missing nothing here. The bloody weather's shocking. <laughs> I'd say so now. We're, we were actually in tracksuit bottoms now. It gets, it gets quite quite chilly in the evenings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, look, I think we're listening to you, an Australian winter seems to be better than an Irish summer at the moment with all the well, rain I, that's I falling. I got a nice tan yesterday and it was Jerry. Good, good, good. There you are. You can even get it in the winter season in Australia. And and where are you at the moment? Are you on a train at the moment? An overground train or underground yeah. or what? Yeah. We're on an overground train here heading back into the city. Isn't it just fantastic, I have to say, that we're chatting and you on a train. And I have to say, the quality of the connection uh, to Australia is so good. I often ring people a few miles out the road here and the line, you, can't, you wouldn't understand what they're saying. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and, and we are on a WhatsApp here and it's just fantastic to be able to catch up with you. Anyway, good luck to you. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me on the show today. We'll be in touch as the other games roll on. Is that OK? Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, Katie. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Katie Milady there talking to me all the way from Sydney. Isn't it just amazing? I'm watching pictures on the TV, and there she is live on a train in Sydney as well, nearly midnight there. Ah, they're licking their wounds for sure. They are. 1 0 Ireland have been beaten, in case you're just joining us on the show. And the other big sporting story today, really got to mention him Alex Maguire from Laytown, Bettystown, shot a magnificent one over round in the Open Championship, the British Open that is, at Hoylake today. I was watching them teeing off early on, saw him playing some uh, lovely shots as well. I was running between the two televisions this morning to keep an eye on him. But anyway, one over, great performance by Alex making his debut in the Open Championship. So he'll be out tomorrow for a second round and hopefully he'll get through and, and make the cut and get into the weekend. That would be a huge achievement. And of course, he is playing for the silver medal for the best amateur golfer. As, but he told me here, I think it was last Last week, well, he's he's when you go into a tournament, you go to win it. Of course, you do. That's the the way it is. You go to win it. Anyway, the other uh, little ditty I wanted to tell you on the show today was about a lottery win. Okay, you know the lottery here, the jackpot was going up there last year. I don't know what it went up to. It wasn't one for weeks and weeks and people were saying, is it fixed or whatever? Then it was one several weeks in a row. It's luck. It's chance. What's the chance of? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Winning 1.08 billion on a lottery ticket. Well, that's exactly what somebody has won. On Wednesday night, last night, uh, the Powerball jackpot in the United States, the California lottery, one lucky ticket has won 1.08 billion. What about that? Uh, and that's uh, over. It's a sort of paid out to you over a number of years. Or here's the option. You can take 558 million today. So 1.8 billion, you know, annual dripped out to you over X amount of years or 558 million today. What would you do? Would you take the five five eight million now or take a chance with the 1.08 billion over a period of time? I was thinking about that one myself, what I'd do. I think I'd take the money now. 558 million, massive. I'd have that now, immediately. The other thing, dripped out, that hadn't happened. People find out about it. Oh yeah, I think you'd be taking a chance there. I think it's encouraging the person that wanted to take the 558 million. My next guest on the show today is a proud Cork man, domiciled in Ashbourne in County Mead for some time. And when I tell you that he is a water diviner, a member of the Irish Society of Water Diviners, Jerry Kremen, welcome to the show. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Tell me this, is this something you've been doing from you were a very young age? When, when did you realise you could do this? Uh, it's something I had an interest in from a, a very young age, but I probably didn't do it. I was I was probably in my twenties before I started doing it, you know. And uh, <clears throat> it was just that I was living in Dublin, and uh, that time the uh, Irish the, the Irish Water Diviners had the organisation existed that time, but even though it, it, it collapsed later on, and uh, they had an open day, and I attended it, and uh, that was around nineteen seventy four. 
and uh, I just discovered I had no problem doing it and uh, you know I took an interest in it from there Okay so interesting you went along when you saw this advertising you said give that a go and you had the gift is it a gift? I presume it is but I do believe most people could do it if they put their mind to it you know I think that it's a mental block a lot of people some people cannot do it I know that but I would say most people can do it you know it, it is something that's part of us that it's a it's a skill that we needed in our past, and mm. uh, probably a time came when we didn't need it anymore. You know, so uh, um, it's just re- re- resurrecting my imagination. You know? yeah. yeah, the hazel rod is something I saw somebody using many moons ago myself with a sort of joined at a fork and holding it out in front and it quivered or whatever. Do, yeah. Are they used now or has that changed? Yeah. They're still used, but it's mainly angle rods now, and they're mainly metal. You know, the ones I use now are brass. Yes. Uh, I suppose, like, with with, uh, with the hazel twig and that, uh, you probably had to just keep keep replacing it, you know, the break and that. I mean, mm. there's some unreal force on them, you know, when, 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 the, when, the, when the twig gets dry, it will break. And probably not everybody is, is around where they can get a twig. So uh, get a, um, the ones I use are, are just uh, ang- um, brass brazing rods. Yeah. So you, and what do you do? Do you hold them straight out in front of you, and uh, do they cross? What happens? Just describe when you when you yeah, walk well, across water. Yeah, the angle rod is it's it's uh, you know roughly ten inches long or whatever. It's, well, no, it'd be more. It'd be about fourteen inches long with a little bend on it. You know, four or five inches long. Mm. And you hold them at the at the short angle, and then uh, you go on. You, you, when you're looking for, you know, presuming you're looking for water, um, you you uh, you're asking the question. I'm looking for water. You know, I'm looking for enough water for this person to, for their requirements. Mm. It has to be good drinking water. It has to be an adequate supply. And you know, and then you go along and um, you you ask those questions, and you know, to give you the direction where that water will be, you you go to that water, go to that place. Where the rods cross, you kind of put a mark there, and then you come from the other direction, and preferably you get the crossing of two streams, and um, you get the mark there. And then uh, you'll ask, like, is, is there an adequate supply? How deep is how deep is this well? Uh, is it clean water? Is it, is it good drinking water? And you get all those questions. You know, it's uh, it's uh, yes, you know that when you when you get a, a yes response. The rods will cross uh, when when it's a no, they open out. Okay, and so you it, actually ask those questions of the rods as you yeah. move along, and they respond. The response comes to those questions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow, yeah. this is more interesting than I ever yeah. uh, understood it to be. I have to say, I just thought you just walked and they moved. It, there's more to this. It's, it's scientific. Oh, no, you have you have to have intent. You know, you, yes, you, you just can't can walk walk around the place and just hopefully something will happen. You know, you are looking for something, you know. Mm. Let's just go with water. You're asking for the water and uh, there's no point in getting a dirty puddle if, <laughs> if you want uh, water for, <laughs> you know, for the household. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that, that, and that's part of the intent as well, then, that you are looking for clean clean water. You know, and so. then when you arrive, as they say, X marks the spot, you mark the spot, what happens then? Do the, the, the people come in and drill? Is that it then? Come in and drill it then, yeah. The driller will come in, yeah. Yeah, oftentimes the driller will have a, have a diviner. They'll divine themselves as well, you know. And uh, the, the the driller oftentimes would, would be local to the area. He'd know the area where, where he'd be drilling. So mm. 
he would have a fair idea of the the land course as well. But yeah, that's it. That's, that's the next move. He'd come in. He'll he'll drill the well. Yeah, and uh, he'll um, go to the, the depth until until he gets water. Yeah. And that's it, you know. And it's, it's accurate. You, you you are accurate. Yeah. This is the thing over the yeah. years. It's, oh, it is. It's, that's the thing. It's accurate, yeah. Yeah, it, it is accurate. Yeah. I know this, and I've seen people talking about you, how accurate you are. Um, what do you feel? I'm I'm, inter- I'm curious to, to uh, explore this for a moment. When those rods move or they're starting to move, do you feel an energy come within you from the ground uh, below? Yeah, I feel it within myself. I just feel an energy. I, I, I just feel... I know they're going to cross before they cross. Mm. I just have, I feel that, I just get that sensation. And they cross, and uh, then, uh, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing, uh, nothing uh, severe on the body, you know, but mm. I, just, I just feel, feel, feel that energy coming. And uh, they cross, yeah. and, and you walk one further, they'll open out again, you know, they, they, like they will only cross that point, and then they, they will open out again. Yes. When you cross that spot, yeah, and and and, you know, when you go in, say somebody, I I presume it's people who are building a house. They want to, you know, drill their own well, and they engage you. And you know, when you walk into a site or a field before you uh, get the rods out to do anything, is there an intuition in you? Do you ever feel it? You know, before you you do what you said you do there. Yeah, yeah, you do that. Yeah. Sometimes what I would do now is I'd get I'd get someone to send me on maybe a little map of the area or a sketch, a hand-drawn sketch any of the area of where they are, you know, around their house and all that. And I might go through that and maybe break it up into four sections and say, mm. the water here, 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 here. And then you, you get one of the quarters where it'll indicate there will be water. Yes. And then even before I go to the site, I can go over there with a pendulum and just see where the water is. Or where, you know, where is the best source or the most convenient source of water and before I go to the site, I probably I, I would have that. But uh, then when I go, when I, I do go to the site, and I would ask that question again, you know, abusing the the rods, mm. and um, nah, they wouldn't. For me, every time they would point in the same direction. But I would go there with a blank mind. I, I wouldn't go there, you know, assuming that this is where yes. the water is. You know. Yeah. So um, everything is just starting afresh again. Mm. And I ask the rods the direction where it is, and then I, I will go through the same procedure. I will, you know, get the crossing of the of the of the, of the two streams, preferably, yeah. and uh, that that would be then just ask ask for the the depth and the direction of flow, and you know, for the purity of the water. And that's it. And then that's it. Uh, just mark the spot. And that's it. The, the, the next person coming in is the driller. Yeah. And uh, that thing you mentioned with the pe- pendulum is the dowsing end of this. Is there always water on... E- is the water flowing beneath every site? You know, somebody buys a site. That's a lovely site. We're going to build a house. Is there always... You'll find it somewhere. Uh, most times you do. But there are there are places where water is very scarce. Oh. Uh, it's it, It's... it's at an awful depth, um, but I suppose in Ireland, if you what you'd have as well in Ireland, is, you know, particularly around say the Midlands, but you have aquifers, which is like basically it's a lake. You know, we're we're, we're sitting on a lake yeah. of water, so then that lot of you know in place like that, yeah. So you just you can drill down, and you're going to get water anyway. But uh, yeah, I suppose you'd be unlucky not to get water yes. in Ireland. But we see the other the, the, there would be problems then that. Uh, maybe the water supply would dry up. Yeah. 
uh, when you when you get a drought and that mm. or you know you get winter springs and like you have to ask these questions like a, a winter spring or there are such things as blind springs you know where you have limestone land where the water will start and to bob up and to go down again you know it, yes. it's just bobbing up and bobbing down because you've, you've got the fissures in the rocks mm. and uh, it, it, it may come to the surface but like they would be a, like they would be a very bad place to sink a well because mm. uh, you're only really getting a, a surface flow mm. and it goes up and down and uh, uh, if yeah. it was seasonal, uh, you you'd end up with no water. Yeah, you'd have times of the year when you'd ha- have none. God, you're a boy uh, that people should bring in for sure before they make the deal on the site or close the deal. Need well, to get... I suppose that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why would you buy a pig in a poke? You have to actually yeah, yeah. get you in, uh, uh, Jerry, and do the business. The other thing, just moving on a bit, you also do this thing, clearing of spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, what are we talking about here? Is this where you go into a house and there's a presence or something there? Or funny things are happening? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, they they would be things. Sometimes that they'd be observing things. Now, sometimes people would actually see see a, a body, or ex- some that, that might experience the movements in the house, or just a bad feeling, or. Um, a lot of times, uh, just bad feeling and you know bad humours and bad you know things of family not getting on together and lots of times that's where you know the, 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 there is a, a trapped spirit and that can be there for generations. You know that can be there for hundreds of years mm-hmm. and it's, it's just never been done. And that spirit probably is in the land before the, the house was built. And uh, particularly here in Ireland, this was like after the famine, you see, there was, it was like we would have had bodies uh, probably every, you know, every couple of feet, I suppose, in, in, in certain areas. Mm. And you see, they, these these people would have gone before their time and uh, their spirit never moved on. And uh, it's not that they, they want to move on, but uh, they, they don't want to move on, but they, it's just that they, ne- they never got the opportunity. So... Uh, Basically, when you when you when you, you you come and find where these are, if they're in a house, uh, you just send them to the light. You just ask them do they want to go. Most times they want to go, and you just free them and uh, send them to the light, and you know tell them you know make sure that there's a place ready for them where the, when they go, and they'll they'll most times they willingly go, and. Uh, uh, there is great relief found in, in the in the house when mm. it's done. And and you know when somebody calls you up and says, uh, "Jerry, look, we've an issue in this house here." When you walk in, do you feel this? Do you do you understand what they're saying to you straight away? I would, yeah, yeah, I would. Sometimes more than others. Uh, sometimes it is, it is very profound, and sometimes uh, you just get uh, oh a very eerie feeling and. Uh, I mean, there are times when the feeling would have stayed with me for a couple of days. Right. That 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 eerie feeling, you know, it's in, more than the head. You know, that that the, but uh, at that stage, I would have uh, sent the spirit to the light, and I'd know I would know it's gone to the light, and I would I would, I would double check it. But um, that moment lingers for a while. Maybe the reason some, some are more than others are some some. Ah. 
let's call him back. Let's try and get him back on the line. God, I'm hung there in every word he's saying. We just lost him there. Let's give him a call back. I wonder, I wonder, was it the spirits we're talking about there a moment ago has just intervened and ended the phone call? What do you think? Wow. I just get that feeling. But hopefully we'll get him now. Unless his his phone has run out of power or something like that. Isn't he an interesting man, Jerry Kremen? He lives in Ashbourne. We were talking about uh, the divining and dowsing and that for the water as well. But this aspect of his work, clearing spirits from homes. Very interesting. It looks like we're going to try him again. We are trying to get him back on the line here on Late Lunch. And, and hopefully we will. Um... God almighty now, I'm a little bit shook by that myself. When things like this happen, I'm uh, always superstitious myself that maybe we've rustled something or annoyed something. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's head to a break and we're going to try and get Jerry Kremen back on, on the line for you. Interesting man indeed. We're talking about clearing spirits from the home. I'm glad to say we have Jerry Kremen back on the line. Hi, hi. Jerry. Jerry. Hi, hi Jerry, did the spirits intervene, do you think, there a moment ago? I wonder, I wonder. I wonder indeed. I, I, I do wonder. But look at... the license, the license fee. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, don't go down that road. Be the Lord God Almighty. That's for another day. Anyway, come back to you going into a house. You feel some... Somebody says to you there's something that you feel it. Do you see something? Or you know the way you told me you you speak to the water. Do you speak to the spirits? Oh yeah, that way. Yeah, silence. You know, I wouldn't be shouting at them. No, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would. I would. I would. I would. Uh, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what what do you mean by sending them to the light, Jerry? Well, uh, it's just you know. Uh, First of all, I'd acknowledge their presence. You know, they, they, these, these questions I'd ask. You know, under, I'd ask with the rods. Mm. And uh, like that presence, they're, they're there. And then, uh, do they do they want to move on to the light? And most times, yes. And you know, tell them that there's, there's a place ready for them to go, and uh, you know they're happy to go to that place. And they say yes. And, uh, then you you uh, just um, ask them, you know, and say, you know, you're free to go, and and uh, they seem to go. You know, that's mm. it. That's uh, they don't like. They don't want to be lingering on here. So, yes. Uh, uh, they go, and uh, um, that's about it, really. You know, it's, it's, yeah, uh, and, and you use, you mentioned there, you use the rods too when you're doing this type of work, I yes? I would, yeah. yeah I would, yeah. Well, just, just for the, uh, just for, for asking a question, that'd be on the site. Uh, when I, you see, this can be done remotely as well, and I usually use a pendulum, like a pendulum when I'm when I'm walking remotely. Again, mm. I get a photograph of the house or a map of the house or just a sketch of the house, and go through it and um, asking these questions. And uh, the uh, you know, it's the same thing. You know, just acknowledge who they are, and you know that they, mm. you know that they're mm. acknowledging that they're there and that like you know that, that that's they're trapped and. Um, they want to move on, and, uh, and 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 you mentioned again you can hear them. Do you ever? Do you ever? Does anything ever materialise? Do you ever see anything? No, I'm not psychic. Right. Way. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I understand. Would, yeah. Would, yeah. But but and, definitely uh, you can hear. You hear. They hear. You hear. That you make that connection. Would, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There would be. A, there would be a silent conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And and yeah. and there's no doubt. Like, and I've seen the testimonials. You have, you know, made a huge difference to many people in their homes because it's a very disturbing thing to have to live with. 
Yeah, or we uh, it's it's great relief uh, for people. Yeah, that uh, you see, some people, you know, they it's a, it's a, an agony they go through. You know, I mm. mean, these a lot of these these things are not of their own making. You know, like these are people might have bought a house or moved into a house. Like they're not they're yes. not anything they know about. Mm. And when they when they go back generations, uh, they um, uh, these these disturbances are there. And uh, I suppose it, it, you know, I suppose when people move into a house first, they don't know how natural. I suppose the first thing is, am I imagining these things? And after a while, the, the, the you know, they yes. realise that they're not imagining it. Mm. And when they like, it's a relief to them as well, you know, that people that they can go to somebody, yes, and somebody can bring that kind of a relief to them. Mm. And um, the, the um, and you know, when you even with the spirit, the spirit doesn't 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 want to be there. Yeah. You see, the other thing, like you, you, like I do land clearances now, and it, I, again, going back to see, the famine probably was one of the biggest things, and also land evictions. Yes. I mean, I suppose most, uh, you know, probably most of the people living in houses in Ireland, they got they got you know maybe if the the original owners. If the lineage was there, they probably wouldn't be there. Yes, I understand. And when and when when, uh, when uh, these the lands were broken up, and you had a landlord, and there were people being evicted, and other people being put in, and you had bailiffs coming in, mm. and you had the, you had the crowbar brigade there come in to knock down the house and evict the family. But sometimes there were people killed in this action. Yes. And you see, even times when the when when the, the guys the guys carrying out these acts were killed, like you know, they, their lives matter as well. Yeah. And they had somebody belong to them, and they might have a wife and kids. They might have had a mother. They might have had something. And you know, the, the you cannot uh, both acknowledge like that this, their spirit is lingering on, and that they want to go as well. You know, it's it's not like you you kind of take sides in this. Mm. that uh, everybody is affected. Yes, of course. Yeah, Look, at right. I, and you know this well, there are people messaging me here and saying, the land is full of water. There's water under every bit of land in Ireland. Right. Why do we need to, div- you know, diviners or people to... Yeah, probably, 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 probably do. <laughs> in, a lot, in a lot of cases, you, 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 the water would be in veins. Like, OK, you go down yeah. by the banks of the Shannon, uh, you, you, like what you have there, you have aquifers, and probably you, you, you will. And there's other areas the, the, the same as that. And, uh, but uh, in, in other areas, like you, you, you're talking about streams, and if you and if you go three or four foot from the stream, you're not going to get water. True. Whereas we have to get, you have to go into the. Uh, into yeah, and that's a very good point to make, folks. It's it just doesn't. It's just not everywhere. There are places where it has to be found, and that's uh, that's why people divine and, and actually find out these spots and save a lot of uh, wasted time and energy by drilling in places where, where there is none. The other thing, just back to the clearing of a home of that, I, you might have mentioned it before. We we, we lost you there for a minute. You, when you do this, obviously you said it affects you, can affect you for a time afterwards. Do you have yeah, to clear? So, do you have to clear yourself? Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and sometimes somebody, I might get somebody else to clear me as well if it if it if it, if it affects that. But it wouldn't always manifest itself like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, like the healing, the healing in effect, like it doesn't it doesn't exactly go through my body. Okay, I, I, I'm a conduit. Yeah, in healing. What I would use universal healing. I'm using the healing 
I'm using the 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 the, the healing and the healing powers that are out there, you know, yeah. in the universe. And it, I'm just channeling those energies to these mm. people, mm. where it's like it's not exactly going to every fibre of my being, you know. Yes, either, I, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, hear, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Look, you're a very interesting guy. I'm delighted we uh, managed to uh, get you back uh, just to finish the conversation. I wish you well with all you do. Thank you for joining us today, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Jerry Kremen from Ashbourne in County Meath, originally from Cork, who is diviner and clears uh, spirit presence in. Houses. I know of two instances where spirit presences were a reality. You might scoff at it, but it is a fact. And uh, clearing was a tremendous assistance to the people who lived in those houses. My mother, Jerry, had the gift of divining and she helped many people around the Inniskeen area. Another one there on the gulls. I think, Jerry, since COVID, with more people eating outdoors, more gulls have moved into the urban areas. That's the opinion of another listener today. And Paddy Feehan's been on to me. Paddy, well, great to hear from you on the show today. Paddy has a novel idea. He goes up to the retail park where they have the sounds of these uh, predatory that keeps the gulls away with his children, opens the windows, has a few cornettos and tells them they're at the zoo. Paddy, you skin flint. Go out of that, will you? For the love of God. Bring them to the zoo someday, will you? And let them see the real thing. Paddy, nice to hear from you on the show today. Anyway, let's do this now on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number two from this week in 1992. And this is as high as this song went in the charts. Remarkable that it even made it to number two in my book because it's a very strange one. Probably the strangest I've ever played on the top five countdown. Yes, it's from English rave group The Smart Ease. And at that stage in 92, dance music wasn't played on uh, any of the major radio stations. But this song actually made a breakthrough and started the new trend and then when uh, KISS FM became legal etc well the uh, doors opened indeed for that genre of music anyway I think you might remember it have a listen to it does this song ring a bell with you it's our two from 1992 Yes, uh, the theme song from Sesame Street, we reworked by Smarties and they called it Sesame's Treat. Not so sure about that. I don't think that was a treat for me today. <laughs> anyway, yes, the number two from this week in 1992. And I promise you the number one tomorrow is a cracking song. You get an odd banger like that. So what can you do about it? It's in the chart. And there you go. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Stay with us because after the break, we're joining Dr. Anya McHugh. And she's going to talk to us about Killy Connie Bog. Did you know that it's International Bog Day this Saturday? Yes, it is, and it's marked all over the world, and it's happening as well at Killyconnie Bog near Mulla. And to tell us more about what's going on, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Dr. Anya McHugh. Hi, Anya. Hi, Jerry. Thanks very much for uh, having us back on the show. Um, yes, we have our uh, Bog Day this Saturday on uh, Killyconnie Bog. 
and it's in conjunction with the Killicunny Bog Project and St Killian's Heritage Trust. Um, and this is an annual event. We have now, this is now uh, second year in a row we've done it like this, but there have been bog days over the years. So this is a bog day we've organised really very kindly with funding from Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage through the Peatlands Community Engagement Scheme. Mm. And so this is starting from 12 o'clock in St Killian's Heritage Centre. Uh, people can go in and have a look at the bog exhibition that's in the centre. And then we have a shuttle bus bringing people from the Heritage Centre down to the bog so that people, we won't have too, we won't have cars down there. Yes. Um, and this event is um, entirely free. Wow, um, well, that's great that it's free because anyone could go along, won't cost you anything. And I like the fact no. that you have the shuttle buses that, that won't cause any difficulty for anybody accessing it. The, the thing I wanted to talk to you about was I see your guest list here and there's some very impressive people. Morris Eakin, I know from the National Park and Wildlife mm-hmm. Service. Uh, on uh, He's a great man for nature, what grows in the bogs and the restoration. He'll be with you there on Saturday. He will. And Morris is really kindly... Um, offer to talk about, um, you know, the restoration that has gone on in Killicunny Bog, what's happening around the country with other bogs and um, what we need to do to improve the quality of our bogs and the habitats for um, the flora and fauna which live in the bog, on the bog and and on, on the periphery of the bog. Yeah. And, and you know, your area is very interesting because you are, are giving a talk and a walk and talk about mindfulness. Uh, and, and the bog is a place where you can really reconnect, can't you, with nature? Let everything else out of your head and out of your mind and just, you know, connect with Mother Earth. That's it. And what I try to do is get people to connect with nature through the use of their five senses. So what they see, they hear, they taste, they touch and they feel. And by concentrating on one sense at a time, it makes you present in the here and now. Because so often in life where, you know, we've one eye on the phone, we've an eye on the telly, we've an eye on kids, we're looking at traffic and we're not really paying attention to what's going on. So when you actually get out in nature, you have an opportunity to just sort of be present in that moment and, you know, look at what you can, look at what's going on around you. Listen to what's going on around you. You know, feel the vegetation. Um, so that's that's really, really important. And also, there's lots of lovely smells um, in, in when you're out in nature. And it's trying to appreciate that. And sometimes what I try and do is I try and count the number of different smells I have experienced or count the number of different sounds I hear mm. when I'm out in nature. And that generally will relax you, um, it connects you with yourself again, and it usually reduces your anxiety. And you will feel better, you'll feel more positive when you come back from a walk, when you've when you've looked at, looked at life through the, the, the lens of nature. Yes, and that's it's so important, as you say, in today's world where we're, focused on everything and anything and our minds are racing away all the time. Killicone, it's a substantial bog, isn't it? It's on the border of Meath and Cavan, near Muller there, but it contains so much in terms of life, wildlife, flora and fauna. You know that. We do, and we've we've evidenced that we have a whole load of uh, wildlife and flora and fauna because as a group over the last number of years, we would have, uh, we've got a... Um, a spider audit undertaken, a bat audit. Um, one of our group, Jonathan Shackleton, regularly uses a moth trap to see 
what kind of moths are living in or around the bog. Um, and there's actually a huge diversity of, bog, of, of uh, moths um, living in and around the bog, which is really a good sign for biodiversity. Tom Bro is another one of our members, and he's also going to be talking on Saturday. And he actually keeps an eye on the, the, the birds and what uh, diversity of birds we have around the bog. And the last time there was a survey done of, of the birds around the bog, there was 43 species Brilliant. of birds. Um, found in and around the bog. Mm. Um, so so there's, there's um, um, a lot of wildlife and, and, and plants on the bog. Um, and of course, Jerry, you know we have the um, the carnivorous plants. Yes. Go on, tell us. Yes, yeah, tell we us. Did, we had a bit of feedback there. Yeah. Um, we have the sundew plant and it's a carnivorous plant and it has sticky little tentacles and insects um, land on this plant and then what it does is it gets stuck to it and then it digests those um, insects that uh, land on it. <laughs> and the, the thing about the sundew is it's the tiniest, tiniest of plants. It's not even the size of your little fingernail. It's probably half the size of your little fingernail. But once you spot them on the bog, they're gorgeous. They're just mm. beautiful plants. And then, of course, you have the sphagnum moss as well. Sphagnum moss. Yeah. It's the thing that keeps the bog alive and growing. Yeah, but that little plant, uh, uh, thank God there's something in the plant world getting uh, revenge on those insects that normally eat the plant, so it's the other way around. Yes, we cheer for that little little plant in the bog. But look, you have a great lineup. There's going to be yoga happening. There's an art workshop with Daphne Shackleton uh, as well. Marion Gilson is looking after the yoga. Bring a mat if you want to go along. But the thing I want to say, I was looking at the weather. You've got to bring good footwear and good uh, rainproof gear it'd be advisable on Saturday yes no we we had a wet bog day last year but it actually didn't I think sometimes when the bog is wet and when there's a wee bit of rain it actually enhances the beauty of it yes so um, and the thing about it is as people you just have to it's not that the weather is wrong it's usually the clothing is wrong so if people come prepared and um, I mean I mean we don't rust Yes. Um, so uh, if people come prepared, they should have a great day. And we are going to have refreshments on the bog. And Jerry, very importantly, is going to have toilet facilities. Great. I think that's always something people worry about. Yes, they the do. They nature. do indeed. Anyway, 12 noon, uh, St. Killian's Heritage Centre, Muller. Everybody welcome. It's free. And I'll remember that saying for a long time. We don't rust. Dr. Anya McHugh, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's a lovely bye-bye. day in Killiconny Bog if you want to go along this Saturday, the 22nd from 12 noon. Big thank you to Fiona O'Brien and Brian Farley for looking after me today. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. We're back with your final show of the week tomorrow from 1.30. And I'll tell you, don't miss my first guest on the show tomorrow. That's all I'll say to you from 1.30. Enjoy your evening. We leave you in the company of Pink and Trustfall. See you tomorrow.